Well, good morning and to everyone in the room and at home. And I realize what I'm about to say here won't make sense if you listen to this later. But I will say that anyway, just for those in the room and those watching online. Josiah, when y'all play music behind the announcements or the prayer or anything, I think almost anybody could do that well. But Jeff, I thought you were going to get on the roll there, and that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. So about five, ten minutes into the message, Josiah, just the band, come on up, just start playing. We'll see where we go from there. How about that? Let's just try it out. Last week, and again, uh, sharing with you, inspired as Dr. Dan spoke over the few weeks that we were out of town, about the challenge we have as believers, and I'm going to talk even a little, obviously, before that today, of, lack of a better way to say it, keeping the momentum going. And I'm so thankful that Dr. Dan's is as good an artist as I am, so we can use each other's stuff, right, Dr. Dan? And uh, so we're, able, we're still going to continue to use uh, Dr. Dan's uh, illustration from a few weeks ago, and you can go back and listen to those messages too if you want to get a little background of, of really why we're kind of camped out here for a little bit. And it's really around the concept of roots, now, we shared a passage of Scripture with you last week, 2 Corinthians 6-7. I'll probably continue to build in some ways off of that or at least refer back to it. But so then, just as you receive Christ as, your, as Lord, continue to live your life. Or in other versions, it says to walk in this. Walk in this. Continue to live your life in Christ, in Him. Rooted and built up in Him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And again, we could, again, preach a lot on this, and overflowing with thankfulness. But root, or rooted, it's to go back to the basic cause or the source or the origin of something. But it's also to render it firm. It's to render it stable. So it's not only the place where it started. It is the very thing that's going to keep it stable as it goes. So as we walk this out as, as believers, not only do we always need to remember the source, and we will do that in, in communion today, but we also need to remember it's not only the source, it is the stabilizer. It is the very thing that will keep you walking this out. Now, again, as we have sang here today, and as Josiah has mentioned, and as most of us know, if we follow Christ very long, it rains on the just and unjust alike. It goes on. It doesn't, you know, we all are in this, and we all have a lot of similar stories. How we come through, it's different. But the things that affect us, I, I love listening. I listened to Irvin McManus on a podcast this week and him talking about when he got cancer. And one of the things he was talking about, and asked, you know, there's quite a few things on that podcast that he mentions, but one of them was, was the question, do you come to you, why me? I've been faithful kind of deal. And he goes, well, no, because I'm not any better than anybody else. We all have these. We all have these challenges. But the question is, how do we respond in the middle of it? And what's our root system? And what's our stabilizer? What is that thing that keeps us going? Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, and I, and I want to continue to repeat this because I think, and I was also reminded just talking with someone this week, how critical this is. And it's Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And that's what we're going to be talking about over these next few weeks is the fullness, living into the fullness. And a lot of it will be things that many of you have heard before from this platform or through teaching here. But sometimes we need to go back to the root, back to the basic. And as I was sharing this person this week was talking to me about it. And they said, well, I think every week the, the people need to be reminded of how much they're loved. And I think for me, and I, and I shared with this person, is that for me, I think sometimes I am, I, I think I talk about how much God loves us, of how much he wants to do in our lives. And this is the first time you've ever seen this ladder. It's been here many times on this platform, correct? Uh, but it, it, it really talks to us about the journey of following after Christ in my mind, and it helps some of you. Others, you wish I'd move on, but since I'm preaching, I get to use it again, right? But it is that stretching of how God begins to stretch us and that crisis of belief that Henry Blackaby talks about in experiencing God is that moment, that decision, those times in our lives where it's not a crisis as in everything's falling apart, but it is a decision that you're, you're either going to be obedient or you're not. And that crisis sometimes comes in the best of times. When you've got everything. And you've heard me say many times here, when I have nothing to lose, I'll risk everything for God. But it's when I have something, I begin to start to hold on to it. So the very crisis of belief very, very often may come when you have a bunch or whatever that may mean for you. It may mean when you've got four kids, not two, and you've got four kids, one thing to leave a great job and go, and, and go work uh, for the church and cut your salary and all that when you've got two kids. Now thirds come into the picture. I've already decided that now we've got four kids, and now we're considering going to Africa. But they were all his in the first place. Thank goodness he sent us to Arizona in some ways. I think, and what I mean by that, his timing's what I mean by that. He could have sent us later. But I told this person, I said, the one thing I never, and for whatever reason, many of you, again, I shared a little bit last week some of the challenges of me coming to my faith, coming to faith in Christ. But, but one of the things that I realized when I came to Christ in that lost decade I mentioned often of, of how I lived and how far, I, how hard I ran away from God and how I hardened my heart and I, or I was indifferent to God. And I'll talk about that here in a minute. But one of the things I said to this person, to, to, to this, this gentleman who was talking to me about it was, I don't really have to ever be reminded how God loves me because if it wasn't God's grace, I don't get in. I knew I didn't work my way in. There wasn't enough work I could have done. 
So when I got in, if you will, and I accepted Christ and he began to transform my life, I knew it was all him. So I never sat around and worry, even when I'm going through some, 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 some times that I, that I don't have my mind focused and I'm not doing the things, and I don't mean just rebelling against God, but just not on track. I don't worry if God loves me. I just, it just never really ever crosses my mind. Now, maybe because I had parents and a father who loved me and unconditionally, I never really thought about that. Maybe, but, but I knew that he loved me. So I never, so what I've got to remember, what I'm getting at here is that not everybody feels the way I feel. But I do want to remind you, everything that's been done for you to be here is rooted in love. It's rooted for you to be, fulfill what God intended for you, even if it's you lost 30 or 40 years, three or four decades. It's still rooted in love. And if he didn't, even if it feels at times like he's trying to take the edges off and it doesn't feel very good, it's rooted in love. So everything I'm talking about here, when I say God's trying to stretch you and move you to a different place, it's rooted in love. So over these next few weeks, there's times you're going to be going, and there's things we'll even show today that you think it's about a working. I've got to work my way somewhere. No. If you rest in his love and you choose, now what I love about McManus said, one of the greatest spiritual, I don't know exactly how he said it. He said the greatest spiritual discipline, if you will, more than being in the word, more than more than prayer, more than all those things, and I don't know exactly how he said it, but I appreciate what he says, is the ability God gives us to choose. That every day he's given me the ability to choose. What an unbelievable gift that is from God. And I think it's a little underrated that I get to choose. Before I read Scripture, I chose. Before I prayed, I chose. When you see the kind of love he gives us, you get to choose. You don't earn it, but you choose whether to walk in it. To choose. You've heard me say often here, if you're looking for your ministry, we know the number one ministry of everything else you do is the ministry of reconciliation. I don't have the scripture up there, but I, I, believe me, I can back it up. Just, just, I can. But we also have a commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus said to them, to his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, the funny thing about this commission he gave them this commission. Of course, we can read in Acts 1, 
that they didn't know really what all that meant, how they were going to be able. One of the things that, well, put it this way. He didn't give them a real plan. But one thing he was going to give them was the power to live it out, whether he had a clear plan or not that he gave them. One of the things I'm reminded of and reminded of this week, he, God has given us the ability to create. And when it's in conjunction with his spirit, look out. So what's crazy is he gives us his plan to commission. I mean, commissions us to go to make disciples but without many details. He didn't really tell us how to do this right here. Well, we're just kind of figuring it out, but different people do it different ways around the world, and God's using it. But one of the challenges is, is Dr. Dan, and back to his, our, our drawing here, is that, and those of you are online or maybe listening, excuse me, listening later, the drawing is from non-Christian, a line drawn down the middle of the, the piece of paper, but when we become Christians, this coming after God with full force, and I'm not sure everybody does that, but that's the only way I know it's the only experience I had is once I got in, just it's full throttle. But then somewhere along the way, we lose that momentum. But again, I realize, too, some of you didn't come in this way. Some of you gave your life to Christ uh, in a very simple way, and I, that's awesome. And you've been faithful ever since then, and that's awesome. I'm not saying full throttle like, like I, yeah, you know what I'm saying. I, I, I don't know why mine. Mine was way later. Maybe I was trying to play catch-up. I don't know. So don't try to hear what, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying everybody has to do it the way I did it. But I will say this, though, there, and I said last week, one thing I'm confident of is whoever it is and however you got in and whatever your personality is, it is to pursue after God. That part I'm convinced of. And not be worried about where the line is, as I said last week. How close to the line can I stay and still be in? It seems like an insane question to me, but I know I'm offending half the theological churches. No, I just... My point is, even if you don't necessarily think that way, I appreciate again Dr. Dan's line. It's easily subtle till it's not. Until you go, wow, how did I end up there? How did I get here? I think there's probably some amens in the room on that. Never planned on being there. If you'd asked, been asked, you'd have never planned on being there. Not that you've lost your salvation. You're just going, how did I end up here? So with that said, I'm going to share a couple of things, that, again, that many of you have seen over the years, and I'll try to do my best if you're listening to this later, but it's going to be a little harder today, so I'm just going to encourage you, if you listen to it online later on the podcast, just go watch the video too because there's going to be a lot of visual out of this. But the first one is Barna's slide that we have used probably for the last four or five years. And it's a concerning slide. It's very, it obviously reflects so much of what Dr. Dan said a few weeks ago about the concern we have in the Christian church in America specifically. And Barna does a great job with this, as most of you know. If you, I mean, not most of many of you know. I shouldn't say most, but many of you know. They do a phenomenal job with this kind of stuff. But one of the biggest challenges of, of walking this out right here 
is when we get down to number five, if, if we're not careful, we get stuck. Because I believe this, number six is this right here. God begins to cause this discontentment. Not in him. That's not what I'm saying. Not in being a Christian. Just at where you are on the journey. And he begins to bring this light, if you will. Through circumstances, through the word, through people, however that comes about, because he uses a lot of different ways to get to us, if you will, okay, but the spirit is involved in it, however that's happening, and we're there, but what happens is if we're not careful, we will try, and even as Christians, try to deaden the discontent. And if we're not careful, we will throw ourselves back into what? Faith activities. Because that makes me feel like I'm still doing, I'm all right. Now, again, I want you, I don't you to hear what I'm not saying. The whole purpose of what I'm sharing with you is not for condemnation. It very well may be conviction. But those are two different things. But when you go from six to seven, when you begin to be broken and say, God, Blessed are those who are poor in the Spirit. And that's when you're broken. You know that you're dependent on Him. That we break through and we surrender. We choose. Choose. One of the greatest things you'll ever have in your spiritual journey, the number one thing is the ability to what? Choose. Why does God... this? This blows my mind. If all this is true, right, if every bit of what we do here is true, not every bit, if every bit of what we believe about God is true, he does not have, us, have to give us the ability to choose. But because it's rooted in love, we get to choose. Because if we didn't have the opportunity to choose, it wouldn't be rooted in love. I hope that makes sense. Choosing to surrender and submit fully to God, radical dependence. And most of you know this illustration as I run up this thing and God stretches me and God moves me and God does all these things. What does it do? It gets narrower. It gets tighter. My vision of him gets I, all these other things, these peripheral things, have to start dropping off. We talked about it a few weeks ago in advance. Some things just can't go there anymore. One of the hardest things about moving up this ladder and those things, you've got to leave good things behind sometimes. That it includes who you're hanging out with. Not, you, not that you won't minister to them. Just where you're going, and they don't want to go there. Barna says this, when you get to number six, active but stalled. The engine is running, but gears are not engaged. 
We're burning lots of fuel, but not getting anywhere. Interesting. <laughs> burning lots of fuel, a lot of energy. So we brought to the table a few years ago something called the five C's. How do we begin to look at people with faith and people of no faith? And some of you have got this memorized, I'm sure, and you could teach it, I'm sure, right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding, but... I'm a very visual, those of you who know me, I'm going to have things up on the stage, I'm going to have things up, I'm very visual. This helps me begin to make sense because I realize, at least in my life, and the more I'm around more, more and more people, I realize most of our lives get sucked up by the whirlwind, the clutter. There's more ways to lose, to, to lose your time this day and age than there ever has been. I know there's been a lot of ways. But you can suck up a lot of time real quick on things that are of nothing importance to anything, right? But then you get all this clutter and people demanding and now all these other things demanding and things dinging and wanting your attention and all this. And if you don't find a way to clear the clutter, make sense of the music, the notes and the noise, make sense of the noise, make music out of the noise. What I was trying to say, make music out of the noise. It just... We look up and we're 61 years old and, okay, made it this far. Didn't die. I guess that's a good, good news. <laughs> but all the way on it, and, and I'm not going to spend, I, I've got a teaching on each one of these and explains and defines each one, but I'm going to briefly run you through them because I need to get somewhere else today so we can get somewhere else next week so we can get somewhere else after that, Okay. That means you got to keep coming back. That's what I'm thinking I'm saying. Conscience. I'll refer back to that in the minute of the natural man. And you'll see a diagram of that. But a person comes to faith, this whole thing about Jesus and the Bible and all that kind of stuff, either one, and this can be the most devout atheist, and that is they're just ignorant of the things of God. Not stupid. They're, that's not what that means. It just means they are ignorant of the knowledge of God. Sometimes intentional, sometimes not. On their own bits, maybe by somebody else's intention. The second thing is indifferent. Now, that's where I said to you earlier, what I lived for 10 years was I knew there was a God at 16 years old. There was no question there was a Holy Spirit, and I couldn't define it. I knew the drawing. I knew what it felt like even when I was away from church. It wasn't just somebody preaching at me. I knew that it was real. But what I intended to do, as many of you know, I hardened my heart so I wouldn't hear it. And by doing that, I became indifferent to the things of God. And some of you in here know what that's like. And for some, and we could talk about this and sharing the gospel and things of that nature, but for some, when they think about God, and there's a, there's a list of reasons why this would be the case for them personally, they, and they could justify it to some degree, they're combative. You bring God up, you bring anything to do with religion up, you bring anything that up, there's a fight on your hands. There's not a conversation, there is what? An altercation. And it's mostly a one-way altercation is that they are coming at you on it. 
But somewhere along the way, and we call this provenient grace, or the grace that goes before salvation. In other words, I can't do this on my own. The, the Spirit begins to woo us, begins to draw us, and I know this personally as an adult, what that feels like. Then I move to the concerned. In other words, hey, I'm, I'm starting to wake up to some of these things. If this, I was, and, and I don't know, I don't think we have the t-shirt I had up there last week. Uh, I, don't, I don't think in the slides this week. But there was a gentleman years ago, uh, used to go to uh, Mardi Gras all the time, and uh, he would, and we met him in, in, in Hollywood doing a mission trip many years ago, but he would stand, there it is right there, thank you guys, it's a t-shirt, and I, mean, I can do some cool t-shirts, that's just a side note, but this was after the trip, but you see down here, he would stand at Mardi Gras, and he would ask this question, what if, and finally after a certain amount of time, people would come up to him and go, and just keep conversation, what if what? What if I'm right about Jesus? What if I'm right about Jesus? Because if what we believe about Jesus and believe about Scripture, I think most people, once they begin to look at it, would go, man, I think I want you to be right. That's the shocking part, I think, for most believers they don't get, is that if you really begin to live out what Jesus taught, I think most people you run into, would, even if they're not going to do it, would want you to be right about that and want you to live into that. I mean, not the way we do it sometimes. I'm not saying that, but I mean, what we're talking about, most people would go, I, I, I want to hear more about that. Let me go back to the other slide. Because we reach this point, and the question becomes, is it true? That's the place to start, right? Is it true? Is it true for me? And is it true for me all the time? Is it conditional? Can I lose it? Can I just go in and out every day? Because that is a concern. The third one is, and that is that transition of becoming born again, and that is the convinced. And that is where we become comfortable and at peace. And again, I, like I said earlier, I realize not everybody uh, is at peace like I was when I came to know Christ. Even though I came in to the kingdom thinking I was dying and going to hell, so I gave my life to Christ. That's the truth. But for some reason, immediately, when I gave my life to Christ, it moved to, this is rooted in love. I just felt loved. So I got comfortable, and I'm still comfortable there today. I just shared that with you. But here's the challenge, and it goes back to Barna's number five and six. If we're not careful, we become complacent. When God begins to stir us and begins to move us and begins to shake us and begins to stretch us and begin to discontent of where we currently are, we just decide to go, I ain't going because I really like camping out right here. And I think the problem for many of us, and back to Dr. Dan's concern as in his teaching, yeah, a lot of times... It could be I just get on a good sin month or a good sin year, and I just start. <laughs> I don't think that's the way most people get there. I think most people do this because they just become complacent. That this is good enough. I don't want to be one of those people, those radical people. Who would want to be that? And you get this picture of the guy on the street corner with a blowhorn yelling, turn or burn. 
you know, that, that's not, but we get this thought. I mean, none of us could, would say you'd want to get complacent in your marriage and just begin to take for granted the person that you're married to and just say, hey, you know, I told you I loved you way back when. If anything changes, I'll let you know the old joke. And we just begin to take for granted. And again, don't hear what I'm not saying. We don't continue to do more so we'll be loved more. We, we continue to do more because we know we're so loved. I can't help myself. Why would I want to do more for Jan? To earn more of her love? It's because I love her so much. Let's go back to that one real quick. Back to the five C's. Five C's, excuse me. Then there's another reason we stay here is because we're capped. And there are all kinds of reasons. We could teach a whole, there's definitely a Sunday on capped. And that means you've hit your ceiling because you can't get past certain. There's a stronghold in your life. There's a habit. There's an unforgiveness. There is something, but it could be regret. It could be you've got this mentality of sin hierarchy. Hey, I'm not as bad as so-and-so, so I'll be all right with that. I really don't believe in this whole thing about transformation, even though I do sing about it, and I do think the pastor's a really good preacher on it. But, but, the, re, but the reality is, and he's got some good illustrations that demonstrate that, and he actually can even back it up with Scripture sometimes. But I don't see no need for it. I really don't think you, that's the thing, because most of the people I hang out with that are Christians, they ain't worried about that. Oh, they'll do the church activity, checkbox, 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 checkbox. And we're stuck. And what happens is either we get real connected in church activity, and maybe we could even stay over in here somewhere. Maybe we can hang out in here. But the problem is, if we're not careful, we don't even stay there and we begin. Before we know it, we may even be back at, Indifferent. You're not even worried. You could go all the way back. And again, I'm not, you, you can, theologically, I'm not going to get into that the, the, as far as salvation, where you are, where you're not at this point. What I will say is, I know people who were full-blown followers of Jesus Christ that became indifferent to the things of the kingdom and the movement of the Spirit on their life. That I do believe. I know it personally that sometimes I can try to go, I don't want to do that. And some got to be real careful here, right? You go, I just wish the Holy Spirit would quit speaking to me. No, you don't. No, you don't. Matter of fact, there are times I pray even to this day sometimes, Lord, don't give up on me on that. I don't have that figured out yet, and I've not moved here fully yet, yet, yet. We talked about that way back. Yet has two meanings, right? I didn't get around to that yet. Yeah, it's not a big deal. I didn't get around to that yet. Or I'm trying, but I'm not there yet. 
but I'm headed there. I'm transformed and I am being transformed. And the Holy Spirit begins to stir in us, begins to awaken us. And we'll talk more about that in a few weeks. He begins to awaken us, and all of a sudden there's this conviction that begins to take over our lives. And we begin to look at the things like we talked about in the sermon series advance. We begin to say to ourselves, there are certain things that are unacceptable of where God wants to take me. They cannot go with me. Sometimes it's good stuff, but a lot of times it's not. And God begins to stir, and it begins to point, and it begins to laser beam in. And, uh, and he's going, that is unacceptable. Where I'm taking you, what I want to do in your life, you cannot have that anymore. But when it does happen, and there's this conviction, and conviction's good, folks. Condemnation is not. That's of the enemy, but conviction's of the Holy Spirit. Because he knows you're built for more, immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. According to the power that is at work, where? Within you. Ephesians 3.20. And he stirs you and he awakens you and you begin to see the world. Now, I've told you this before. When I became to Christ as my Savior, I, 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 went, from, I went from black and white to color. TV. Now, that was 1978, when I, not when I came to Christ, but we didn't have a color TV until I was a senior in high school. I know I was, we had a dysfunctional family, apparently, and we were, I was deprived of beautiful things, right? But there was something when I began to, you know, and I'd seen it in color in other places, but all of a sudden it's color. But when, it went, when I started getting, it's like going to, the Holy Spirit began to work in my life and began to awaken me, it's going to 4K, right? Ultra HD. It's like, whoa, I can see things clearer. They're more vibrant. You become engaged, and what that means is you begin to figure out how we're going to keep moving. You're engaged in this. I'm engaged in my marriage. I'm engaged in my parenting. I'm engaged in my community. I'm engaged in my church. I'm engaged in my walk with Christ. That means I am stepping into it. I'm going to try to figure out what it means to continue to grow in it. And if there's things that's unacceptable, I'm going to figure out how to get rid of some of it. Now, if I need to go get help from professional help, I'll figure that. I, I, I need to listen to wise counsel. And then the last one real quick is compelled. Second Corinthians 5, 14 through 21, you could look it up, but this phrase here just has stuck with me for all these years. For Christ, love compels us. And the word translated compels there means to powerfully urge something but not force it. To powerfully urge something but to not force it. You know why it's not forced? Because it's rooted where? In love. There's more, immeasurably more. Your brain cannot, as Craig Rochelle says, your brain cannot comprehend 
what all God wants to do through you. Cannot. Because your, your brain will put limits on you. Some of, them, some of you puts a lot of limits on you. I've talked to you. But uh, I didn't know why I said that. You know, there are things. There are things. Sometimes I have a good filter. I've shared it with my kids recently uh, but, uh, on things. But sometimes it just comes out. There's so much more. Because it's rooted in love. Don't you want, if, you, if you're a parent, and not, not everybody is, but if you're a parent, you want, if, if you're, hopefully, this is what you want, you want all you can give to your kids. And I don't mean, so you want, you want them to be mature as when they need to get there and at what pace they need to get there. Some of you had to grow up way too quick, and you should have had an opportunity to grow at the pace you needed to. I get that. But for, but for, 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 for raising your kids, you want them to be mature enough to, whatever, so they can take on anything in life, especially spiritually. You would do anything for them. You would love, lavish on them if you could, as long as it's not harming them. And we can go back in the Old Testament, as Dr. Dan has spoke about David and stuff. There's things that sometimes the very thing that you get is the, first, very, the very blessing you get sometimes can become a curse. And what I love about Christianity, as I've said over and over, and we'll close with this today. One thing I love about Christianity, and there's, I could go on all day about a lot of things I love about it, but one of them is we do not come to the faith in a hierarchy. We come on level ground. There is no caste system here. But I will say this. I'm going to leave you with this scripture, and we'll talk more about it actually a little bit next week and dive more into it in two weeks. In most societies, since the beginning of time, there's been some kind of caste system. I mean, we talk about it here in the United States, and I'm sure it's around the world, the one percenters, and, you know, there's, and there's, you, you get into all that. But what I love about Scripture, not only does Peter talk about it on the day of Pentecost, that God will pour out his Spirit on all people. All people. But Paul does talk about, and this will leave you a seed to kind of think about, in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, and 3, 1 through 3. It says, that is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person, and in the New King James, says the natural person. Without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. And Paul goes on to say, brothers and sisters, I could not address you. And he's talking about believers here. You could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? In other words, aren't you acting like 
people who don't know Christ. So what I will share with you in the next few weeks, and many of you already know, this is the slide, I don't know if we have it, the natural, the carnal. The natural person is the person, and we don't, I won't even show you the rest of them, because there is, well, maybe there's a second one I'll show you in just a minute as we close. The natural person who has self on the throne. The cross is still outside. There's a lot of things around that that we can tell you today that I believe moderates us. Thank goodness there's laws. Thanks goodness there's a lot of things that we all come to an agreement with. But what you're moderated by is your conscience, most of all. Romans 2. We're all born with it. And how it's developed is a different story. And I'll say this to many of you today. Your conscience will lie to you. Well, I just followed my conscience. Well, that ain't always a good sign, just so you know, because we can manipulate our conscience. But the conviction empowered by the Holy Spirit, deep conviction, powered by the Holy Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, I think it. That's a whole different deal. Deep conviction. But just conscience alone can get us in trouble. But then there comes that time where we begin to be opened up and accept Christ as our Savior, and it moves to the second slide I think we may have there, and that is the carnal or the worldly. And we'll talk more about that in a few weeks. And I think that is where we get stuck. We're still babes in Christ. But somehow or another, we don't want to grow up. We're still on spiritual milk and we should be eating t-bone prime rib whatever your favorite tofu not just gonna sushi whatever yours is i don't know scripture tells us to continue to live in the faith to walk means there's movement Keep in step with the Spirit. There's movement. And what happens is if we quit believing that God is taking us somewhere and he's moving, I don't think, there, I don't think you ever stay there. You're either doing that. Now, again, I'm all for getting here and God getting me on this, this rung, letting me get in good and firm. Yeah, and I don't, that's not complacent. That's just going, he's taught me what he needs to teach me there. Now it's time to go. Time to go. I just have a feeling that in America, we've got a lot of people who got to a rung, and that was good enough. And this pastor's got to preach to that to himself all the time. And that is not in a condemning way going, you're not good enough. That's not what I'm saying. Do not hear that. This is rooted in love. Every bit of this, how wide and how deep and how long, it's all rooted in love. And he wants to empower you to do immeasurably more. Because the scripture I just read you, the next couple of verses after that are, and to him who is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine according to the power that is work within you in Christ Jesus. That's what he's after. Your mind cannot comprehend what God wants to do through you. How do we get there? Jesus said it. 
to Nicodemus. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Cannot, will not. But it's available. As Josiah and them come, as we close for communion, I want to read a passage of Scripture as we head towards that for some of you here today. If you've got your communion elements, you can go ahead and get those out, but this is actually before then as they're setting up. This is Romans 10, 8 through 13, and just kind of let it, I didn't want it on the screen, just to kind of let it wash over you, if you will. It says, the word is near you. Now the word, logos, Jesus, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you desire or if you declare, in other words, speaking to a conclusion of agreement here, With your mouth, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But I want to define something as we're saying this. The word heart there means your decision maker, your chooser. The center of our being, and it is what makes us tick. It is the fountain and seat of our thoughts and our passions and our desires and our appetites and our affections and our purposes and our endeavors, our heart. Believe in that. Not just your physical, hey, I, I feel good about it. No, all those things I just read, that's it. And that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your mouth that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses, richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Rooted in love. What great news. What great news. Before we do communion, I'm going to pray for us as we prepare. Lord, as I spoke those words, maybe took a little privilege from your exact words, but Lord, just to define what your apostle was saying to us. It's not that complicated, but sometimes it's really hard. To know that we are no longer on the throne and we're giving it to you. So Lord, I pray for those within earshot of my voice who may hear this out jogging this week or hiking to those who are in their homes or wherever they are right now to those in this room. That if for some reason the circumstances that have been happening have come to this point, That they know it is time to confess with their mouth and believe with their heart, their very being, that you are who you say you are. 
Confess it. Tell somebody this day they shall be saved. Lord, please forgive us at times where we may make it way more complicated and I hope I didn't do that today, Lord. But I hope and pray for the salvation of souls to not only be washed as we will take in communion now. We are washed of our sins by the blood you shed on the cross and we accept that today by faith, knowing that we've been set free. Lord, let us be a people as we read this morning that are overflowing with thankfulness. Lord, even use these moments here as we take of the bread and drink of the juice as a reminder, as a reminder of the life you've given us. And Lord, today we just stand in awe. Stand in awe of that. We pray this in your name, Jesus.